0: Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 830 or 1045 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.ubankbaptist. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation, and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Amen. Stephen, did you get a look at my sermon notes this morning or something? You you could not have picked better songs to set up what I'm going to preach on this morning. Amen. Uh, Oh my goodness. It was... Alistair Begg, who said these words, "If your foundation isn't strong enough to hold up when you face death, it's too flimsy." I had uh, I had planned on beginning a, a study through the life of of Joseph, and uh, somewhere toward uh, stepping off of the, the the platform Sunday, the Lord told me that wasn't what I was preaching, and wrestled with me on what I was going to preach, and led me to this before we get into our Christmas series as we were coming on the back end of our tale of identity where we challenged ourselves to be a loving, reaching, engaging, and discipling church. That's not the last time you're going to hear those words. You're going to hear those words every Sunday for the rest of my life. Amen. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, But I've been praying. I hope, you, uh, I hope you've been praying over your one. The challenge was last week, go get one. Just go get one. Stop making excuses. We can make excuses all day, but let's just go get one. And as I was coming off of uh, cleaning them up Tuesday, me and the Lord kind of had it out. And he said, Clay, this is for you, too. And so, uh, yeah. But today, I hope you don't experience whiplash. We're beginning a study through uh, some of the prominent parables of Jesus. And uh, today, I want us to ask ourselves a question Whose side are we on? Many of us probably watch sports of some kind, or maybe you don't. You understand the concept of sports. You put on your team colors or your team logos, and you go and you support that team. If, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, I should, should I say purple? Uh, Sometimes it's purple, sometimes it's red, sometimes it's not. Uh, But. (laughs) As long as you're not wearing a red elephant with a silly chant, I think we're all okay. Um, that's, uh, that's the true uh, Alabama fans in here. Uh, but today, I want you to know that in a world that tells us that we are to find our own happiness, that you're to pave your own path, uh, that there is a path and there is only one. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin reading. Uh, toward the end of the chapter in verse 21, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I'd ask if you have found it and you're able to, would you stand with me as we read God's word together this morning? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I hope these verses are not unfamiliar to you. But as we come in, God's word says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the, one who does, uh, the, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do the mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And for everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on the house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against it. And the house fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I pray that, Father, right now, God, would you take me, would you hide me behind the cross? Lord, right now, Father, I pray that as we begin to to, to talk about this idea of choosing a side, God, would you just allow us the opportunity just to experience you this morning. Father, maybe there's one here that has never chosen that side before. Lord, they have thought they have. God, there's been things that that, that have come up. Lord, whatever the excuses may be, God, this morning, will we be found on the rock this morning? God, we love you and we thank you. And pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was in the year 1063 that construction began on a church that would be oddly laid outside of the protective wall in Pisa. This church was built to show that Pisa itself had no fear of attack from its enemies because they trusted in God. And for almost 100 years, that church began, and it, it began to thrive until one day a widow of that church uh, in 1172 passed away. And she left a substantial amount of money in order to build a foundation for a bell tower that would be built, that would become the pride of the church. However, what happens with most Churches—they short-sightedly looked at how much brick could this get us and began to build the tallest tower possible. And so uh, they began to build, and a year later, another substantial amount was donated. And it would end up taking 200 years for this tower uh, to be completed because you know it got caught in the the carpet committee, and they couldn't figure out. And so you know, like most churches, and so it took 200 years uh, for this tower to be completed. But shortly after beginning construction and shortly after the first uh, five years of its construction, they realized a problem. The tower had begun leaning. They realized the problem that the foundation that was supposed to have been built underneath it was never built and therefore the soft ground underneath began to sink and began to not be able to withstand the, the weight of it. What was left to be a shining example of what God could do, left to, quite frankly, be a laughing stock of the 12 to 1300s. People would come to gawk at the tower that was leaning sideways. Foundation is important. Ask any contractor. Nobody goes and just decides to, to build a house and does not first plan and plan of where it's going to be and make sure that it has a secure foundation. I shouldn't tell this story because I'm, I'm, I'm on camera, but I am. <laughs> Licking River neglected to value their foundation. And when I was there, we found severe structural issues in the back end of our sanctuary to the point where our contractor came out from underneath it pale white. It's saying, I can tell this is a church because I don't know how it's standing. <laughs> I shouldn't tell that story, but I did. Foundation is important. Today, I want to tell you that we are either built on the foundation or we are not. There is no middle ground. Look with me. Jesus begins, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of, of my Father who is in heaven. We find ourselves perhaps on the back end of one of the greatest messages ever preached. No preacher has ever come close to replicating what Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount you see, this man went up Mount Bethany, and he began to, to speak, and he forever changed the landscape of Judaism. He forever changed everything that, that the Jews held uh, uh, dear, and it culminated into what I challenge is, is one of the most important passages of this, of this sermon. As there, if there is any sports team, there is a winning side and a losing side, and Jesus makes sure that we understand which side is which and he says lord and not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven this is a tough passage for us because we like to think of the jesus that is the uh, the 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 door thrower opener but the problem is is when we get into this idea of unitarianism or this idea of the uh, lim- uh, the unexclusivity of Christ that he when he died everyone was automatically saved and they did not need to make a decision for Jesus they did not need to make a decision to put faith and trust in the savior that they were automatically just good. But here things change. Jesus says not everyone who comes to me he says lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is In heaven. You see, God sent Jesus for a purpose, for a will, for for a reason. Because if we don't believe that, then what on earth did God send Jesus to suffer and die on the cross for? It was pointless. James Boyce says it this way He says, Our Lord does not follow the method that is used by certain self styled revivalists, as to speak of, of being saved as one of the easiest things in the world. Jesus, on the contrary, pictures the entrance into the kingdom as being, on one hand, the most desirable, but on the other, the, 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 uh, the, the narrow entrance gate that must be found. It's true. There's an exclusivity that comes through Jesus. This concept, this idea of the world that tells us, oh, well, your path will lead you to heaven. No, it won't. Only Jesus will lead you to heaven. And that's what Jesus teaches us here. And Jesus tells us where to find this entrance. He's warning his, his, his listeners about these that are falling by the wayside, this apathy, this deceit by false teachers, this hypocrisy, this folly, this, everything that's being wrapped up in what we could talk about today is talked about in this passage. Because it should be one of those things. This is one of the most terrifying. This used to be one of the most terrifying things for me. I think I've said that before. This passage of Scripture used to, used to scare me because I didn't want to do all of these things in the world and, and, and serve the Lord and do all these things. And I found myself before him and say, depart from me for I never knew you. And the problem was is that I was looking for myself than I was for Jesus. But that's what Jesus te- teaches us here. It's not about us. It's about him. Is your faithfulness to God worth it? I don't know how many of you have ever attended a funeral before, uh, but when I perform a funeral, one of the most important things that I want to know about a person, I don't care. I mean, I do care, but in the ultimate grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter how old they were. It doesn't matter how long they were married. It doesn't matter whether they were a good person. What matters to me was what decision did they make about Jesus in their life. All the other things are great things to know. I pray that everyone lives a long and joyful life. But the most important thing I want to know is what decision did they make for Jesus on this side of eternity? When I speak with families, one of, the, one of the top questions I get asked, did they go to heaven? They're so, the most important thing when we come to your funeral is what did you do with Jesus first question I want to ask us this morning is this. If it matters so much on our death day, why do we treat it like it doesn't matter in our life? If it matters so much on our death day, why do we treat it like it doesn't matter in our life? We spend our whole lives saying, well, I'll get to it. I'll do it someday. But what if we don't? Jesus says here, on that day, verse 22, many will say to you, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do the mighty works in your name? He said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness or iniquity. Depart from me. Hear There are those who are convinced, absolutely convinced, that their works earned them their salvation. Lord, did I not go to church on Sunday? Lord, did I not give 10% to my tithe? Lord, did I not volunteer in the children's ministry? That should have alone guaranteed me heaven. But Lord says no. He says depart from me, for I never knew you. The most important thing here is that we must know Jesus. Jesus must know us. We must have a relationship for that to be uh, a thing. We had a, Brittany and I were in Chick-fil-A this week. This isn't in my notes. Uh, Brittany and I were in Chick-fil-A this week, and we came across one of the prominent members of the uh, disaster relief team. And I, I walked up to him and I said, hey, how are you doing today? And uh, I could tell on the look on his face, he had no idea who I was. Um, we've had conversations before We've had uh, uh, dealings before. He probably recognized my face because we've had those before. But it's one of those situations where he had no idea who I was. And that's okay. He meets thousands of people every, every month, I'm, I'm sure. That's not the kind of relationship we need with Jesus. When we say, well, Jesus, I don't need you through the rest of my life. I only really need you in the, the trouble. God, I only really need you to be involved when I, my life is falling apart. But the rest of the time, I'm good. I don't need you. But when we get this, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those are haunting words. And I hope that we can put that fear to rest. Is If we have a relationship with Jesus, we won't hear these words. When it comes to that relationship with Jesus, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about those who try to fit their salvation within their own ability and take Jesus completely out of the picture. But you see, there's something here because knowing him precedes everything else. And that's why Jesus is about to tell us this parable. We must know him passionately to serve him faithfully. Because that's what Jesus tells us here. He he begins this parable in verse 24. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We know this parable. I hope you know this parable. Even, even as an unchurched kid, I knew this parable for some reason. This, this parable kind of stuck out to me. And here again, we face these two decisions that Jesus is going to give us. We either build a foundation upon the rock or the sand. We either build a foundation upon the strong or the, the, the weak. And we have this wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the thing this passage teaches us is that the Who God is and the promises that God has brought us is where our foundation is needing to be built. We build our foundation on the promises of God, not on what we can achieve, not on what we can do. You see, it's more than just trusting in some guy named Jesus that lived a long time ago. It's about trusting the Savior of the world who stepped out of eternity into human flesh, lived a sinless life, paid the ultimate death price on the cross so that you can accept him and have eternity with him. It's not about a name. It's about who Jesus was. It's not about the Jesus part. It's about the Christ part. But We begin a duality here. Jesus says, Those who are wise, this Greek word here is, is phronimos, and it, it's to be of a prudent state of mind. You're in a good state of mind, you have a good mindset. But there's saying here, we have this wise man, and I want you to think of this kind of like a not a man who places things on, on, on just uh, uh, baseless accusations because we're not. But this word kind of invokes this idea of a jury who who is given evidence of a case and makes a decision based upon it. Can I tell you that we have the evidence that are based upon the case today and we must make a decision based upon it. That is the wise man. So what type of man is wise? Simple. Jesus tells us the one who builds his house on the rock. The one who builds his house on the rock. The one who builds his life upon Jesus will stand. But watch what happens. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Everyone who doesn't hear these words of mine will be like a foolish man. I'm going to get fired for this. Actually, I shouldn't. These are the words of Jesus. The Greek word here for fool is the word moros, but more often we see it written out as the word moron. So teenagers, if you have teenagers, any time that your teenager has ever called you a moron, they have been speaking Greek to you. There you go. But is this word Moron. <laughs> The one who builds his house on the rock is the wise. The one who builds his house on the sand is a moron. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't get mad at me. This is what Jesus said. Second thing this morning is that our life is in the process of being built. We must build wisely. We must build wisely. There's a structure in Venezuela that's called the Torah de David, and it's the Tower of David. And it was supposed to be one of the largest modern marvels of the world. But they didn't count the cost of building it. And they began to build this ginormous structure. And it still to this day sits partially finished. And it's an eyesore. See, our our life is in the process of being built. We're a lot like that building sometimes. Jesus is coming in. He's building on. He's building us up. He's restructuring us in the way that he needs us. It's it's what we call that fancy word of sanctification. It's the process of being built in the lifelikeness of Jesus. See, when we come to the Savior, we are nothing more than raw materials ripe for the building. But we must make sure that we build on the right foundation. It cannot be based on our religious activity. It's not who you're doing it to. It's who you know. You know that old phrase, it's not not what you do, it's who you know? That applies here. You see, it's not about what you do, church. You can do all the greatest things in the world. You can start an orphanage. You can adopt a kid. You can volunteer in the children's ministry every single week, which you should. But that doesn't guarantee you salvation. It's about who you know. Do you know Jesus? That's what it comes down to. Because this last part is the most crucial. You see, we have this wise man and this foolish man. Watch what happens to each one of them in verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on the house. But for the wise man, it did not fall, because it had been founded upon the rock. Look at 27. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Notice what happens here, what is wonderful. This this, this is amazing, because those that were built upon the rock, it stood. Those that built upon the sand, it fell, and it says, Great was the fall of it. At the heart of what Jesus is teaching us, he is not concerned about teaching you how to build a home. I don't know anybody. You you tell a contractor, I'm going to build a home. He says, what's your plans? You open it up to Matthew 7, and you say, build it like this. And they're probably going to look at you like, Okay, but what do you want it to look like? That's not what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is not teaching you to build a home. He is teaching you to build a life. But there's a condition here. The winds came. The rains came. And can I tell you this morning? The winds and rains are faithful to come. The storms of life are faithful to come. See, the problem is, is most of us have more of a Gene a Williams view of this rain. You know, the singing in the rain, I'm singing in the rain, what a glorious feeling. That, that's not what the rains look like when they hit our lives, right? You see, winds of change come and come often in our lives. And maybe it looks like the winds of an unexpected diagnosis. Maybe it looks like the winds of a a tornado or a disaster that rips through your your family's house. Maybe it looks like the winds of the loss of a breadwinning job. Or maybe it looks like the winds of a serious illness. Or maybe it looks like the winds of the loss of a loved one. The winds of life are faithful to come. That is one thing that you can count on, you can hang your hat on, that you will experience trials and suffering on this end of eternity. But Jesus here is not concerned with where you build your house, but to build your life. Last thing I want you to see this morning, church, is that when the storms of life come crashing into your life, what is left standing? Because they will. The storms of life, they are going to come. But the question is, what is left standing? You see, when death comes crashing into your life, what is left? when the sting of death comes straight after you and takes everything away, what are you left with? Can I tell you that if you were the fool or the moron who built his house on the sand of this world, abandoning Christ and putting your faith in your own ability to secure salvation, you will awake finding yourself much like the rich man found himself staring up at Lazarus, crying out for a drop of, of water to quench his eternal thirst. See, if we live our life as a moron, I'm being, being very phonetical to make sure I'm using the Greek here because I don't want anybody getting mad at me. We've sought after the pleasures of this life. We've neglected the calling of Christ. We will find ourselves just like Jesus. Depart from me, you worker of lawless. Depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, we can be the foolish moron who finds ourselves knowing the right things. You may say, well, I know the doctrine of Scripture. I know the doctrine of uh, Trinity. I know the doctrine of sanctification. I believe in the doctrine of the justification. But, there, but no, this whole Jesus person, I know him no more than I know the guy sitting next to me. Because you know him more as sir and less as Lord. You know Jesus more as sir than you do Lord. But today there are two choices and only two. Either today you build upon the right foundation, you build upon Jesus Christ, you take that relationship, you make that uh, relationship with him that you stand and do the will of the Father or you take the life of the fool apart from Jesus. You go build your life in the sand and when life comes crashing into you, you will find what is left standing. We are faithful to follow after Jesus. If we are faithful to follow after Jesus, to build our life upon him, everything around us may crumble and fall, but Jesus will never fall or falter. See, God has made this the way to salvation. Our best plan is to object it. Because ultimately, what good are your objections when it comes To standing in front of him. And I'm going to pretend that Jesus is speaking Greek. I know that it won't. It'll be a different language. But he's going to stand in front of you. You are the moron who built his house upon the sand. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Can I not do as I will with my own? Is the call that Spurgeon gave out. No. Whether you build on the foundation or whether you build on the sand is the most important call today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never done that. You've never taken that step into the relationship with Jesus, began that foundation right there on the rock. And maybe that's you this morning. Here in a moment we're going to have a time of invitation, but my encouragement to you As if you've never accepted Jesus Christ before, let me tell you something. We have a problem in our life called sin, and it has separated us from God. That's the ultimate problem that we deal with. It doesn't matter what your financials look like. It doesn't matter what your family health looks like. It doesn't matter any of that. The problem, the root problem has become that we have sin in our lives, and it has separated us from God. But Jesus... Already paid that debt. He already went to live the sinless life, to hang on the cross, to pay the debt that you, that I, that we have all owed. And he asked a simple thing. He says, take it. Accept it. Trust in me as your foundation. Maybe this morning you've never done that and this is your time during this invitation. Maybe you're here. You've been a Christian for several years. Maybe you just need a heart to me. Maybe you're like me. Man, this bobber has felt like a thousand pounds in your pocket all week. Because God has just burdened you with that. And this altar is open for you to pray for that one. If we're not a church in prayer, what are we? There's this time of invitation, my prayer is that God will move in you this morning. It won't be about whatever song we sing. It won't be about me. It won't be about anything. But if the Lord is moving in your life this morning during this time of invitation, do not neglect it. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for who you are. And God, I thank you for all that you are doing. And Lord, right now, God, would you just begin a work? God, right now, would you just challenge us? Father, even right now, maybe there's one here that has never accepted you, built that foundation upon you. Lord, I pray that you would call them to Pastor Aaron or myself. Just give them the strength in their legs. Let them even not even think about it, God, that they'd be up here begging to know you. And God, maybe they're here today whatever decision may be having, God, maybe you've called them into something. Whatever that decision is, God, I pray that during our time of invitation, we may be faithful to follow you. So God, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.